Hello and welcome to Virtual Roundtables Live, the broadcast that brings business leaders together to discuss and debate the latest industry topics and trends. Now over to today's host. Welcome to Inspired Business Media. Today I'm joined by Bill Gaymert, CIO, CTO and COO. Really excited to talk to you today, Bill Gay. Can you give our listeners just an insight into you to start us off? Tell us a little bit about you and your career to date. Uh, sure, I'm more than happy to help and, and be here. Uh, Bill Gaymert, I've, um, I've been in technology for 19 years now. I've originally started my career as an intern. I worked as a graduate intern with Mondelez, implementing SAP solutions and implementing shared service centers. So I had a good experience working in pan-European projects. So that was a good starting point in my career. I then worked for Accenture in consulting in various different industries, in um, technology consulting, in oil and gas, in pharmaceuticals and chemicals. I then joined British American Tobacco um, as they were launching a large program and setting a target operating model for the B2B side of the business. So I've led one of the work streams there and I worked for them for eight years actually. Um, so that was a good, um, good part of my career leading the data analytics stream as well as the digital strategy as VAT started moving from the traditional business towards new categories um, and, and exploring data and analytics and other technologies that can help them add commercial value. Uh, the past couple of years, I've been with IFTQ, it's a risk tech startup as part of the Swiss Re group. Um, we're a digital young organization because it's a great, exciting place to be, building our platforms and trying to transform the industry, working with our distribution partners across in Europe, Asia and in the US. Amazing. Plus, you've had such an interesting career mm -hmm. so far. I'm really excited to see what you do next. Um, what initially sparked your interest in pursuing a career in technology? Yeah, um, actually at, at high school, I was really interested in maths. Um, I really enjoyed it. I loved problem solving, to getting um, the analytical side of things. So I think I was lucky in the sense that I had a lot of people in my both family and at school encouraging me to go into technology and studying an engineering course. I wasn't sure at the time, I know whether it would be computing and other parts of engineering, but I had a lot of support from both family and my teachers at the time to go into a computer engineering course. So that's what I've done. Of course, um, it was a, a fairly lonely place to be at the time. I was the only girl in my class. So it was a bit of a different start. But, um, but then I had a lot of good opportunities and I met great people, allies, sponsors, mentors that encouraged me to continue my career in technology and not steer towards other parts of the, um, the value chain. But I think it starts early um, to try and spark that energy and interest early on in girls as, as we go through the education. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's that catalyst that kind of sparks that interest, doesn't it? And and can create amazing things. We need to yeah. kind of inspire those people. Fantastic. What has been the biggest challenge you faced in your career so far, would you say? And how did you overcome it? Yeah, I mean, I've of course faced a lot of challenges, but most of the time it tends to be not really technology, but really the change management side of things, implementing those technologies. Because throughout my career, I worked in a lot of large transformation programs, and it tends to be to get buy-in from people, build the bridges, develop the co um, coordination. So I can give an example of um, when I worked in Brazil um, for 18 months working as part of a large program. Uh, it was more about making sure that we have a great engagement with the market and working closer with them to implement common templates. So a lot about 
getting the right team in place, making sure that you've got the right structure, and also get a bit of an understanding from both sides of the picture as well for them to understand how a global solution can help them run the business more efficiently, and for us to understand why we need to be more open to localization and differences to the market practices. So that was um, how I've led that um, initiative, but um, it's, it's taken us 18 months to implement, but we've done it in nine and it was very successful. So it's one of my um, happy memories of a really challenging project that has uh, given good results for both sides of the planet. Amazing. It's nice that you come out the other side of that and you can mm -hmm. reap the rewards. Fantastic. And I, I can imagine, obviously, the past year has had to accelerate transformation in so many different areas. Yeah. So kind of getting, getting to the other side is, it would be an achievement anyway, but what we've mm. gone through the past year, I, I expect that that's amplified even more, that that's satisfying. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that as well. Consumer behaviours are changing. People are more interested. And of course, the agents and um, the analog side of the business will always still be an important part of what we do. And mm. people are now a lot more interested in digital technologies and channels and how they operate. I mean, I think a few years ago, we wouldn't even imagine a world where we would be working from home for a year and a half running global projects, um, but now we have, and we've learned from it. And so I think we have got the opportunity as we come out of the restrictions to really think about how we can blend those, create a hybrid working environment and balance our lives a bit more, but still, um, still make sure that that human connection is not lost as well. Absolutely. I think it's been a big learning curve for a lot of organisations, you know, big and small. You mentioned they're kind of working from home. As you said, that wouldn't have been on the cards, but now it's it's part of our normal everyday life because it works for people. Um, and you kind of strike that balance a little bit more between work and your life, I guess. <laughs> On the flip side of that, then, um, you mentioned being really, really proud of kind of overcoming that challenge um, mm -hmm. and seeing real kind of achievement in that. But are there any other events or achievements in your career that you're particularly mm -hmm. proud of? Yeah, um, another one is, um, again, from my time at British American Tobacco, when we launched the digital strategy. Because as you can imagine, um, you know, it, it's a very successful and a large organization, but working on more traditional technology. So it was really looking at how we can change the future and make sure that we are leveraging digital technologies and data to help create a better world. So I think that's one of my proudest moments, working with the wider IT organization and our partners there in developing that strategy, working with our CIO to define uh, that path and really help us move towards a uh, you know, bright new world whilst they're still looking after legacy and transforming our legacy in parallel. Amazing, great work. You mentioned earlier briefly kind of being the only, only female um, in, in the technology environment that you were in at the time. And obviously the technology sector is still very much male dominated. Only 10% of tech leadership roles in the UK are held by women. What challenges have you faced as a woman being in a, a male dominated sector? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of um, lines. First of all, when I first got in, as I've mentioned, I was on the go. And it does um, make you feel, oh, is this the right thing for me to do? Um, and you only can tend to see one part of it. Is this organization? Is, is this the right um, organization for me to be working on? Is this the right thing for me to be doing? So I have questions. So I think that was more of that challenge to try to fit in and break that mold and break the stereotypes as well. 
because you're coming in with different experiences, different perspectives, different attitudes, different ways of working. So I think that was challenging. And um, I think I was lucky that I've met lots of good people and female role models, not necessarily at my level, not necessarily at my department, but working in senior positions. Um, and looking at moving to technology. I worked with a very senior lady who was the head of finance, but she was also leading the technology teams, who's helped me and supported me and guided me. I think that those kind of things are really important. And that's why um, part of the reason I'm so passionate about mentoring people coming into technology, because it might be a lonely place. So you might question yourself, is this the right thing for me to do? Do I have the right skills? Um, can I enjoy and have fun working in this environment? So I think we need to show them how it can be and that it's also not only about some of the hardcore um, development and engineering skills. It's an environment where you need a wide range of skills who can work people, who can work in business analysis, project management, change management, configuration, client management. So I think um, that's uh, that's what we really need to look at. But at the start, um, getting in there has been challenging. Mm -hmm. And the other part is, of course, what I've experienced as I was becoming more senior, and then it becomes even harder to find other females that are senior. Um, and it's more about, I think, um, not really conscious, but you can experience this unconscious bias. Um, and it's just people not assuming that you might be a leader in the room. <laughs> and yeah, people just not being experienced to that, or the type of leadership might be quite different, mm -hmm. and how we engage, how we communicate might be that different. So it's just more about breaking that mold, breaking that ice to show them we can still get things done and it can be very successful um, without um, having the same uh, leadership style and being open to that kind of environment. I think these are the types of things that I've learned and experienced throughout the years. Really, really interesting. It, it's it's fascinating there how you said about kind of visibility, you mentioned visibility yeah. and uh, and having role models. And I think that's so true in every every part of our society, every walk of life. It's once you see someone that you can see yourself thing, so to speak, you think, oh, okay, I can do that. I can I can see myself in that role, but it's having those those female leaders to look up to and model yourself on. And also as you said, mentorship as well I imagine that's that's vital to to women you know wanting to get ahead in the tech industry in any industry but especially in industry yeah, mentoring networking building allies um and people who will support you opening up doors and looking for those opportunities where you're also moving outside your comfort zone you know because sometimes I think um it might be that it's not really an external challenge but internally and pushing yourself to go outside your comfort zone and try things that you're not comfortable with um, is also very important. That pesky imposter syndrome, right, yeah. that all of us have from time to time. It's interesting what you said as well about um, females bringing different leadership styles to men. I think mm -hmm. we definitely need that. You know, regardless of gender, we need different leadership styles regardless because people respond to different leaders and, and different ways of working different ways of being managed so it's important the leaders that we do have in our organizations are diverse um not just gender but different backgrounds exactly. as well absolutely and inclusion is hugely important because you can have a lot of diversity but if you're not open to it if you're not open to hear these different voices have that thought diversity in the organization inclusion then you're not going to get the outcome so I think creating an inclusive environment is if not more important than having the diversity so that you can really get the benefits out of it absolutely I mean businesses are only going to thrive with mm -hmm. with different points of view um leading teams 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You've had various leadership roles throughout your career. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the pillars of what makes a great leader? Yeah, I think, um, of course, having a good foundational capability is really important. So whether you're in tech and other places, I would always suggest people who are getting in, find an area that you can really develop and deliver things so you can get that subject matter expertise. I think that's a good foundational experience. The other part is um, about building relationships communication skills so having that stakeholder management and, and being open to understand different um, perspectives and different point, points of view and that's not only senior leadership but across all levels being able to build those relationships and communicate effectively is really important and then the other part of is is really uh, trying to think outside the box and define a vision define an exciting vision that you can bring people across because people want to follow that there's a purpose and a vision behind doing something. And if you can create that, then there'll be people who will follow you. And if you can create that good culture and good relationships, then you'll have a successful team, a successful diverse team. So I think it's really important to have the right skills and capabilities, having good communication skills and the ability to drive that vision across, communicating drive that vision across the organization. Absolutely, some fabulous advice there. Again, we mentioned, um, you know, inspiring younger younger girls to get into technology roles and how we can we can do that how we can kind of make those role models visible to to young girls when we want to pursue it wanting to pursue a technology um excuse me wanted to pursue a career in technology what advice would you give to women and young girls that are wanting to to move into the tech industry Keep a really open mind um, and keep yourself learning because technology is a very exciting area and it changes all the time and the speed of changes is just accelerating and that's what we're seeing with digital technologies as well. Be open, keep a learning culture, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, If you do, you will recover from it. I think it's more important to ask those um, maybe writing stupid questions early on and learn from it and don't be afraid to fail to move on than later. So I think it's a great opportunity and it's a lot more inclusive culture than it was maybe 20 years ago. So it just needs to now encourage the the young girls and women to come in there and, and be part of the party. Absolutely. And and like you said, not to be afraid of failure. I think a lot of, um, I include myself in this category, a lot of females kind of worry about failure because it's, there's a lot kind of riding on them being in that space that you know yeah. being represented in that space so knowing that okay if I fail it's absolutely fine it's a learning yeah. curve yeah. carry on and we develop yeah and we need to support each other I think it's um you know that creating leaders have got a responsibility there and creating a culture a psychologically safe culture where you can fail and you can talk about failure so I think it really starts with leaders also having the right behaviors to create that culture in the organization. So, and it's not, um, it doesn't, it's not specific to gender. It could be females, males, people coming in at any levels. And it's really important that we create that environment that they can learn from and share experiences and share failures. I mean, you see some organizations recently celebrating it because they're trying to um, create a culture that people can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so of the month and so on but uh, it's because I think it's been so hard in the past and people are realizing that we're limiting innovation and and we really need to wear at that time in almost all industries that, that, that are in an inflection point traditional industries need to change and transform so I think having that open mind is really important being flexible and agile to change as well because as I've said, technologies change a lot and being open to that change and making sure that uh, we keep an open mind as we work through those challenges. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So you've recently been nominated for CTO of the Year. Massive congratulations on that. How does it feel to be recognised in that way in your career? Um, I was very pleased and I was very, um, very, very humbled um, because I've met the other ladies who were nominated as well. And it was just great energy. And it's great to see like-minded people like you who've been working in the industry, trying to make change in the industry. I think that was fantastic. Um, my team has nominated to me. That was really, I was very pleasantly and happily surprised as well that that's, that's what's happened. Um, I think you need more women in the industry and, and more women trying to um, move the needle, trying to break the barriers, trying to open roles and opportunities. And as I said, not only for women, but the wider diversity in the organization. That's only going to change by us doing that work. So it was great to meet other women. I'm really proud of being part of that group. Fantastic. Well, massive congratulations again. And that, you know, that's a testament to your leadership that your team nominates you for something like that. So that's it's really incredible. So you've spoken about the importance of professional development and learning new skills. How has this helped you throughout your career and what advice would you give to others to, to do the same? Yeah. yeah, I think it's very important. I think it's very important to know yourself and very um, proactively. I've always been a believer that um, you need to manage your own career and take accountability. So I think knowing yourself, understanding your strengths and really being proud of your strengths. And at the same time, knowing your development areas are really important. So when I started off my career, as I've mentioned, I was working in a CP. I've done that for 14 years. And then when I realized that you're getting that disruption across, I wanted to move to areas where I could still leverage those skills I've learned in the past, but really develop new, new capabilities. So I've gone into data. I've gone and trained myself in other areas and got certifications. I went into leadership courses. So, so that I can become a bit a better leader for my team and for my colleagues. I think um, self-development and, um, and, and making sure that those skills are relevant and continuously updated is really important. Of course, um, that will also, part of it will come from the job, but being open to going into different industries and different experiences, I think that's really helpful. As I've mentioned, I worked in consumer goods, I worked in consulting, I now I'm working in insurance. I think being open to that change is really important to bring your skills relevant. Um, I think um, I've always said, um, as long as you update your skills and have the capabilities, there will always be opportunities out there. So not being afraid to go out and, and get those and um, making sure that you build that um, capability is hugely important. Absolutely. And it's refreshing to hear someone that's, you know, at the top of their game saying that they continually learn. I'm learning so much. I've been in insurance for two years now. It's a fascinating industry and I'm continuing to learn. And it's great. It's not like you can't always learn uh, from one way as well. I'm learning a lot from my team. I'm learning a lot from underwriters, from actuaries, from pricing experts. I think it's great to, um, and I, most people are very open to sharing that knowledge as well. So I think if you build that network and build those connections, sometimes it's not only self-development, you're learning from other people that you work with. I think it's, it's not to be underestimated. Absolutely. That can only enrich you, can't it? And surrounding yourself by those, those positive, inspirational people and people that you can learn from can only make you a better person in your field. That's fantastic advice. I'm curious to know what are kind of some what are some of the biggest challenges in your industry currently? I think um, in insurance um, specifically has got a lot of legacy. It's a very um, traditional business. It's a very successful business. It's very regulatory driven. 
And what we're finding with a lot of the um, partners that we work with as well and other carriers, it's the industry that's been building legacy infrastructure on top of each other for the last 50 years. So that's one of the challenges. How do you move from that legacy to keeping a startup? We don't have that challenge. We are greenfield and therefore we can provide that differentiation in the market. But still, we have a lot of local uh, legal requirements that we need to adhere to that could drive some complexity. The product sectors tend to be very different. That also drives some complexity. So I think we've got an opportunity to really transform the industry to try to simplify and make that experience easier for our customers and our partners. And that's what we're working on. But uh, it's uh, it's something that we'll continue to work on. It's not easy. Really interesting. Yeah, I can imagine that's not easy to kind of adhere into all those rules. As you said, kind of a very traditional space mm-hmm. to be working in. That's really interesting to hear. Do you have mm-hmm. any exciting projects in the pipeline that's mm-hmm. what you're currently working on? Yes, for sure. Um, we're building our own platforms. Um, so we're building a life and health platform in Europe that um, we're, we're hoping to go live with our first UK partner in a couple of months this year. So that's one of the, one of the uh, very exciting projects. And we're also working um, to launch in China. So we're building a digital platform to go in as uh, the first um, FTQ brand and product, hopefully launching later on this year. Uh, both very exciting projects, expanding our scope and, and our remit in those markets really exciting and definitely things for our um, our listeners to watch out for fascinating my final question for you um Bilge, is what's next in your industry and what kind of future innovations do you see yeah i see a lot more um simplification of the journeys and one of the things that we're seeing is really the embedded insurance because you plan to buy insurance traditionally from traditional challenge agencies and i think that will still become a big part of it but what we're also seeing is that people want to get access to insurance when you're running through that transaction so buying your um phone insurance buying home and property insurance embedding that when you're buying those um uh, buying those services to also include um, insurance as part of that capability. The other thing that I really see is that using more of that digitalization because insurance is still, even though we're now used to buying everything online from our mobile devices, insurance and industry still need to talk to somebody. So I really see that as the big change in making that a lot simpler um, for the customers and a lot more accessible and a lot more friendly as well developing that trust and then experience so that you can have a lot more visibility on how your um, how your policy is calculated, how your risk is calculated and helping the customers understand the risk profile and manage it proactively. So that's the world I see in the future for insurance that becomes a lot more friendly and easier to use for, for people around the world. Really interesting. Yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see how things develop over the years to come and also how, you know, the changes during COVID have affected that industry as well. It's yeah. like had an impact. Yeah, we see more demand. And, and to be honest, with um, insurance, what you always hear from people that it's really complicated to buy. Um, so that's it's not a um, new demand. It's something that we've known. But I think what's happened with COVID, working from home, it's just made people get even more attached to digital tunnels and have even stronger demand. So that's why I think startups like ITQ, it's always exciting to see what transformation and innovation is happening in this place in this space really changing how we um, sell insurance, how we engage with insurance and how much um, how much data we share as well um, so that we can get a better price. So that's also a big change from what we used to have in the past. Fascinating. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Bill Gay. It's been a pleasure speaking to you today and I know our listeners will really benefit from your insights. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm glad to help and have a nice day. Thank you, you too.
Thanks for joining us this week on Virtual Roundtables Live. Make sure to visit our website www.virtualroundtables.com to learn more about upcoming webinars and events.